Everything we think we know about basketball is biased to the observable. We tend to trust whatever happens right in front of our faces. An incredible performance you watched live is much more likely to register in your brain than one you only saw in the box score. A game winner you actually witnessed will leave the kind of mark the clutch shooting stats never could. The things we see are the things that no one can ever take away from us, sealed into memory no matter the evidence to the contrary. This is the power of the eye test. There's a detail and specificity to it that you just can't get anywhere else. But as a natural byproduct, we prioritize what is plainly apparent in the games we watch, even though so much of what actually decides an NBA game takes place well beyond our field of view. The league is filled with guiding forces. Experience might be the most influential of them all. Through it, a player knows where to attack a particular defense or how to defend a familiar opponent. It tells a coach who he can trust in specific situations and when he can push his team for more. Experience can be the difference between a talented but disjointed team and an honest-to-goodness title contender. And when channeled through the right player, that experience can diffuse throughout a roster to create all kinds of benefits. Teams seek out capable veterans for just this reason. Veteran leadership is cliched, sometimes it's overstated, and yet it's the lifeblood of winning teams everywhere. And there's no better guide into the world of its function than this man. Jason Terry of the Milwaukee Bucks, 18-year veteran. I'm Rob Mahoney, and you're listening to Breakaway. Terry is the old head on one of the youngest teams in the league, or really the third oldest head in the league, period. He's eight years older than any other player on the Bucks roster, and 11 years older than their oldest rotation regular. He came to Milwaukee because Jason Kidd called. The pitch was to play, of course, but also to help Kidd shape something, to help the Bucks take all of this incredible talent and fashion it into something functional. Terry is a basketball player, but this is how he sees his job description. The main thing I'm responsible for, along with the coaching staff, uh, is creating an environment conducive to learning. Um, because a lot of these guys either have one year of college experience or no years of college experience. And so uh, when you have that, you find yourself teaching the game a lot more. So while you have Giannis Antetokounmpo running the show and newcomers like Malcolm Brogdon and Thon Maker filling significant roles, Terry does most of his work in a supportive capacity. He takes the court as a floor spacer and a facilitator, but beyond that, he spends a lot of his time making sure that Milwaukee is a good place for young, talented players to come into their own. What he offers is institutional memory. The NBA game is changing rapidly, and so is everything around it. The business of basketball, stardom in the modern era, the demands of the game, so little is the same from when Terry first came into the league in 1999. He brings a valuable point of view, though, in having seen every degree of change in what's essentially the last two decades of basketball. Terry has been a starter, a sixth man, a deeper reserve, all happily. 
He saw his crummy Hawks team spin their wheels in the early 2000s and later helped the Mavericks play their way into the top tier of the league. In all, he suited up for six franchises, got on 11 different playoff runs, and won an NBA title as an essential contributor. Every team I come to, uh, whether it's a young team or a veteran team, they want to know about that championship experience because to win a championship and to be part of an integral part of a championship team, there's something there. Like, there's something that you can share and pass along to the next generation. The thing about this game of basketball, this game been here long before you and it's gonna go on long after you. And it's very repetitive. Like, there's phases about this game. And so, yeah, there's gonna be situations that come up that I don't know how many, but I can say in 18 years, I've almost seen every situation possible. Teams have good reason to preserve that insight. There are universal truths about competing for a championship or even just playing winning basketball that have held up across eras. And there are pitfalls in the game and in the industry that have never really changed at all. Mistakes will be made, but having the right kinds of veterans around can change what those mistakes mean. When you have veteran leadership amongst you, it allows your young guys to grow. Uh, it allows them to make mistakes. They'll, they'll go through stretches where, uh, you know, they just can't figure it out, whether that be late game situations, whether that be, again, the situation I like to bring up is the four games at five nights, and they just go through struggles. They lose 10 or 15 in a row. Uh, they don't know how to fight through adversity. The mental toughness aspect is just not there. Uh, and, and you see it, the immaturity uh, at times. Uh, and, and when you have good veterans around you, you're still going to have those lapses where you go through stretches where maybe you lose six or seven games, but that's when your veteran leadership steps in and be like, okay, this is enough. Or, or you'll have situations where off the court, something may happen, but your veteran leadership is there to step in before it gets to the media, before it gets to the head coach. Uh, I think that's, that's where when you don't have veteran leadership, those instances get public or those instances carry on throughout the course of a season. What Terry describes is one of those invisible guiding forces, experience as this buffer that you will never see. And that's exactly the point. It's easy to snark at the contributions of a player in his late 30s, particularly on a young, up-and-coming team vying for a playoff spot. Yet if that veteran is doing his job right, his contributions are measured in what could never be publicly visible. Containment, prevention, preparation, and direction, it's a field of subtlety in a sport dominated by highlight plays and huge personalities. But it's helpful to have good vets around if only because of all the damage that could be done by doing without. It's easy for a young player on a guaranteed contract to lose focus on the immediate. There's a natural tendency to look ahead, to a bigger role, to more minutes, whatever the next step might be. But when you focus too much on point B at the expense of point A, you can fall into a pattern of skipping steps. A player can have some nice games or even a nice season that way, 
but a successful career is predicated on valuing the game in an ordered fashion and on its smallest terms. This is Terry's most fundamental lesson, and like most, it comes from his own playing experience. I think just on, 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 on the competitive uh, nature of performing at a high level for a long period of time every single day and competing every single possession. Uh, I really didn't grasp that concept until probably my second year in Dallas uh, where I realized like I can't come down on a fast break and this is an example uh, and just throw a home run pass in the first quarter because that possession in the first quarter may have been the possession we needed in the fourth quarter when we didn't have that extra possession. Like you just don't grasp uh, that that nuance of the game. And so just valuing every possession every day. As an extension of that idea, Terry wants every drill to matter. He wants every rep to matter. Where did I get that from? Guys like Jason Kidd, when he was older, 37, 36, and he played in Dallas, I watched how he competed every single day, every possession, every practice, um, and it never wavered. And for that to happen on a young team, the veteran of the group has to broach all the topics that a rookie might be desperate to know more about, but afraid to ask. Making the jump to the NBA is information overload. You're bombarded with playbook details, on-court fundamentals, new regimens, 100 people's names, treatment options, all the way down to the tiny practical stuff, like how to access the garage, or where you need to show up for the team flight. Veterans don't have to attend to all of those things, but it's a good use of their time to get into the process a little bit. The big picture can be balanced with some of the procedural details that matter, including how to get the most out of the smallest routine tasks. Tyson Chandler, a former teammate of Terry's who now fills a similar role for the Suns, had this to say about that particular part of his job in a video with the Players' Tribune. But when you're on a young group, they're all sponges. They want to learn, and it's your job to teach them. It's your job to, to teach them how to deal with losing, how to deal with winning how to prepare yourself, how to go through shoot-around, how to go through film. All of these things is now kind of your duty because you're that guy on the team. The benefit of having a player on the team who has been through everything is that they can address those specifics while also speaking to the topics beyond a rookie's view. There are things a young player won't even know to look into. Veterans like Terry can bring those things to the forefront, jump-starting not only their basketball development, but professional development as well. Uh, it has to be a part of your culture. It has to be a part of your foundation as an as a organization that you have to have veterans around these young guys. Because um, they can go through all the experiences they want to on the court, but there's so many other things that they have not experienced that a veteran guy can not only show them, but tell them uh, that they need to know. One big thing young players need to know, how to take care of their body. No one comes into the league mindful of how they might feel after a game at 36. So even if it doesn't take at first, Terry starts getting that kind of maintenance into his teammates' minds early. The diet, the weight training, it's all part of a larger whole. And it's going to click for each player at his own pace, but Terry at least wants young players to start thinking about the possibilities. His words come from a place of authority not only because of his overall longevity, but due to a pretty impeccable record of good health. 
Think about this. Coming into this year, Terry had played 17 seasons in the league, a possible 1,378 regular season games. Of those 1,378 regular season games, Terry missed a grand total of 93. Half of those came in one season, so really you're talking about a player who missed 46 total games over 16 years. This is the final stage of Terry's career, but what he says carries weight because his teammates can see that it kept him around. He moves well and his shooting is held up, all because he dedicated himself to the cause of making it so. Even though I'm 39 years old, I go out and compete as hard as I can every night. And so that's what I try to bring uh, to this generation. You know, that level of competition, uh, the professionalism, um, and just be a le leader by example. Terry wants his teammates to glance over in practice, see a 39-year-old, and notice... He's down in the defensive stance every time. I'm 18. There should be no way for me not to be in the defensive stance. Leading by example is leading by empiricism. You're not just showing your teammates a model, but showing them that it works. Because of that, it's important that a veteran actually plays if he's to have any real influence. We've seen cases where a benchwarming vet might have the ear of a particular player, but anything larger would be asking a bit much. I've been on teams where they'll be like, man, you're not playing. You're not out here with us. How can you say that? I, I, I get it. I get where they're coming from. There's a clout that comes from being involved. You don't want the veteran to have a chaperone feel. Guidance is big, but young pros aren't going to respond to some extra unofficial coach when they already have a full staff offering advice and critiquing their play. Now, if that teammate is in the trenches with them, the entire relationship has a different feel. Do it right, and there's something more collaborative and constructive about those interactions. It helps in Terry's case that the Bucks really do seem to play some of their best basketball with him on the floor. Some of that is circumstantial. Terry is one of the best three-point shooters on one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league, so any minutes he can get are bound to pay off. At the same time, it matters that he isn't ornamental. Terry takes his open looks, he moves the ball, and he at least digs in on defense, even if it isn't his strong suit. We can't go so far down the road of intangibles that the basketball itself doesn't matter. Which is why the biggest question Terry mulled over in his free agency this past summer was actually twofold. How can I, what team can I go to where I'll have the biggest impact in the locker room and on the court? And uh, two years ago it was Houston. This year it was Milwaukee. Uh, hopefully next year it'll be right back here in Milwaukee because they've built something very special here. Uh, and I think it's going to continue to grow. And if you know Terry at all, you know that his part in that growth will be unavoidably vocal. Jed could never just be a silent role model, even if you duct-taped his mouth shut and hopped him up on horse tranquilizers. He's a talker. Providing an example is a piece for him, but Terry wants to share, and he wants to be heard. And you can hear the echoes. The day after Jabari Parker went down with a season-ending knee injury, Terry addressed the team at practice, just rallying the group after a tough 24 hours. Afterward, John Henson uttered a familiar refrain in his media availability. Jet said, spend some time around the Bucks, and you hear an awful lot of Jet said this and Jet said that. Well, no, no question. It's one thing for someone to uh, talk. 
and, and not be heard. But, uh, you know, when I speak, guys listen. And uh, that means a lot. That means a lot to you. I mean, especially when they understand how many years I've been around. Change has come quickly. Milwaukee's locker room had a reputation for lifelessness. Even the young guys were pretty reserved. They mostly just went about their business. Terry gave them a kick. It's not a complete transformation, but he managed to stoke things a bit, get people talking. All the same, Terry has made an effort to pace himself. It's a long season, so he was careful not to get on his new teammates too much too early. The worst thing a veteran can do is hit a nerve. You don't want a teammate reflexively bristling or rolling their eyes at every piece of advice just because of that one time you said something wrong. Terry seems acutely aware of that balance, particularly as it pertains to young players. Sharing experience is all about understanding how to communicate it. Everyone responds differently, so to really get a message across, a veteran has to understand his audience. This is how LeBron James explained that dynamic to NBA TV back when he was with the Heat. To be able to have different forms of leadership has helped me because you have different personalities in the locker room. Everybody is not the same. The way I talk to D-Wade may not be the way I can talk to Chris. Or the way I talk to Chris may not be the way I talk to, to UD or to Bird or to Real. Big time, man. Big time. Boy, what a point. Everyone's personality is different, so my leadership skills has different phases because I understand what I'm dealing with. Not only does Terry have to be mindful of different personalities, when he talks with his teammates, he's speaking across generations. Thon Maker, the youngest buck, is basically half of Jet's age. There are exceedingly few consistencies between their basketball lives, considering that one was an American-born four-year college player who came up in the 90s, and the other a Sudanese prospect by way of Australia who played high school ball in the U.S. and Canada before graduating early and appealing the league for his draft eligibility. Even the players with less extreme contrasts still went through systems almost 20 years after Jet left them. Uh, because these guys, obviously, it's a different generation. Uh, a point was made to me the other day about uh, baby boomers and millennials and, and the gap, and, the, and the, how do you bridge the gap? And I think, uh, for me, one thing you have to do is understand their story and where they came from. Uh, they weren't raised up like we were without social media, without the technology that they have, without the personal trainers, uh, all the advantages that they have now. So, uh, of course, they, they're not going to have some of the uh, adversities that you did, but they still have some. They still have challenges. So you have to be an open and willing listener uh, to better assist them. For example, Jabari Parker loves to play Madden. Hey, that's one of the things I like to do. So what I do, I bring a portable TV on the plane. We're in training camp. We're playing Madden. While we're playing Madden, he's, he's talking to me about his old AAU days. Hey, I coach AAU girls basketball for 10 years. So, you know, being able to share our experiences and make them connect and then, you know, how it translates to basketball in today's game uh, is something that, that helped me bridge the gap. Terry's overall tact is going to work with some guys more than others. There's no catch-all approach for millennials any more than there would be for any other group. NBA players in the same age range are still distinct people. Some need to be told things directly, others a bit more subtly. Some might be visual learners, or they might need to go through things two or three times before they really get it. But what Jed is doing is universal to almost any learning style or any personality type. He's making an effort. He's showing genuine interest. He's asking questions. 
These aren't hot tips from a book on how to connect with kids today. They're expressions of basic human connection. Giving real advice is predicated on having some kind of relationship, because the only way a teammate is going to trust Terry is if they first get to know him. And Terry knows, above all else, do not fall into the trap of, This is how we did it. You have to do it like that. That is a, the, for some of these young guys, that is a super turnoff. It's like, well, we're not you guys. Like, we didn't grow up like that. So I think just understanding to be very cautious of being overbearing on how you did things and, and pressing it upon them, uh, show them, ask them, like, you know, this is kind of how I did it. I mean, you know, maybe do, do some of the things that I've done in my regimen, add it to yours. Don't change what you're doing, but maybe add it a little bit. Leadership is proactive. Part of the job involves probing for issues to be fixed, the kind that might not always be right there on the surface. It's also understanding what a teammate might need to hear or when he might need to vent a little bit, just so a small problem doesn't become a bigger one. Because of that, Terry couldn't just sit off to the side and expect for a procession of young players to come to him. If there's any defining characteristic of the new wave, it's that. Even the most confident of rookies still generally waits for some kind of invitation to begin that kind of relationship. It doesn't have to be a big thing. All a veteran has to do is reach out. Well, this generation is a little different. Uh, with this generation, uh, you have to kind of ease your way in and say, for example, hey, Rashad, how you doing today? Everything good? You know, seeing about them, checking on them, instead of more like, them coming to you, waiting in the gym, waiting for them to come to you, you have to go to them. And it, and it doesn't necessarily have to be about basketball first. You have to find your way in, and then you start to ease the basketball in. Okay, let me show you a couple things. Um, your footwork coming off a screen or, or, or whatever that is. Uh, so it's more you going to them than them coming to you. Once Terry makes that contact, he finds that it gives his teammates the opening they need to ask the questions they want answered. In-game management, personal finance, it's all on the table. Usually in those type of situations, I talk directly to my experience. I'm very open, and I don't say, you got to do this, this, and this. I give them my experience and say, if I had to do it different, I would have done that. And then you leave it to them, because it's always their choice at the end of the day. What makes Jet the right man for the job is that humility. It takes a particular kind of person to dispense advice to a group of 20-somethings knowing that a lot of it won't be followed. Still, Terry goes along, offering his experiences, answering questions, and tactfully nudging a young team down the path. None of this is easy. But if Terry makes it appear to be, that's probably because he's been training for this job his entire basketball life, often in ways he didn't even realize.
Check out Open Floor with Andrew Sharp and Ben Golliver. I feel bad saying fire everyone after I talk about how much I like Vlade Divac. This is the way that I always do it when I assess GMs, right? If I'm going to call for him to be fired, what are the odds he's going to be hired again at some point in the future by another team? Is Vlade ever, ever going to be a GM for any team besides the Sacramento Kings ever in the future? Yeah, that's a pretty damning way to look at it. Listen and subscribe to new episodes every Tuesday and Friday of Open Floor. Stay in the league as long as Terry has, and you start to see everything differently. There's so many miles ahead of a good 23-year-old basketball player that they can get lost in the distance. Little is precious when there's so much to come, and particularly when players today have so much at stake. From the time a player establishes himself in the league, he carries an even heavier weight of expectation. An entire franchise banks on his progress. Desperate fans crave deliverance. There's a lot to live up to. Often, a star entering his prime is consumed by his goals. The ticking clock can make every loss more painful, every mistake more exasperating. Rarely will you see more fire in a player's reactions on the court than during his best years. Before he's been mellowed by time and the acceptance of his career, a star in his prime will bark at teammates, will blow up at referees, almost regardless of his usual disposition. Players really feel the heat then. The pressure, overblown as it may be, to win a title before their best basketball is behind them. Terry lived through those stages, and part of his job now is to ground teammates going through any of them. Understanding that this is a blessing, like to play a game that you love and get paid for it, and for people to walk in the arena and people cheer your name. I mean, hey. There's all the joy in the world in that. And, 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 and sometimes when you're a young guy, you don't see it. You just see yourself, hey, I'm this big, bad basketball player. You know, I've got all this talent. And uh, you take it for granted. But every single day is precious. And that one day, it's going to be over. One day, you're not going to jump as high as you used to or be as fast as you were. So uh, just, just understanding that and, and, and just enjoying every moment. Don't, not being in a hurry to leave the gym. You know, you're only here two or three hours out today. Stay an extra 30. You know, get treatment. Uh, shoot a couple more free throws. I think that, that's what I leave a lot of my young guys with. The fact that the clock is ticking should only give players all the more reason to enjoy it. Veterans, and especially those who have already won a title, can find a certain peace in that. They still have their pride, but they've played long enough to see the game for what it is. You know, I, I've been in the league for 15 years, you know, and I find myself now on a young team. I think it makes me appreciate it. You know, it makes me appreciate my position. That's Tyson Chandler again, who, after his long run in the league, has not only found comfort in being a veteran, but he now sees a reflection of his own veteran influences in himself. And there's times where I reflect and I look back and I, I hear Charles Oakley in my ear. I hear Scottie Pippen, Antonio Davis. Othella Harrington, Jalen Rose. I, I hear those guys and- Chandler says now, he actually catches himself sounding just like them. That makes a player think twice about what advice he gives his younger teammates. Even the things that don't seem to register could still click with them later. 
For Terry, those messages came from... Well, directly, uh, Gary Payton and Damon Stoudemire. These are guys that were mentors to me, uh, even when I was in high school. I mean, I had older Sonic players like Deadlift Shrimp, uh, Xavier McDaniel. Uh, these guys would, would take me under their wings and, and kind of show me the ropes. The Seattle flavor there is no coincidence. Terry grew up in the area playing ball and listening to stories from local hoops luminaries. The basketball scene there was and is deeply interconnected. Sonics players used to roll into high school games and watch the best local talent. They took guys like Terry under their wing, established pros telling up-and-comers exactly what it took to make it. You know, I would sit for hours uh, in the living room of Gary Payton, uh, and he would just be sitting there just talking, telling me all the old stories about how all his veterans that came before him, you know, kind of raised him. What Payton and the Sonics sowed was a culture of mentorship from one local ball player to the next. Seattle is a pipeline. It is a strong basketball talent base, to be sure, but the tradition there is more closely linked than in any other major metro area in the country. There's a real lineage to the prospects who come up there. Watching how, growing up in Seattle, a guy like Doug Christie from the neighborhood uh, came back and kind of mentored everybody uh, that was from the Seattle area. Uh, you know, understanding that it is your responsibility, it is your duty um, as a professional basketball player to give back uh, to, the, to the guys that, you know, come after you. Started with Doug Christie, then I came next, then Jamal, I passed it to Jamal. That's Jamal Crawford. Jamal passed it to Nate. Nate Robinson. Nate passed it to Brandon Roy. Um, you know, and it just keeps going. Aaron Brooks, it just keeps going. Spencer Hawes, Martell West, it just kept going on and on. But again, we felt it was our responsibility uh, to, to show the young guys. Because again, like in life, when you have someone that you're trying to follow in their footsteps and they've already done it before you, it makes it a little, that transition a little easier. Now you may not do the exact same way that guy did it, but he already has a blueprint and you can of course take some of the things that he's done and follow it to be successful. All of which meant that Jet was playing the role of veteran long before he ever really considered himself one. During the season, Terry would help out younger players now and again, but there really wasn't the same sense of purpose. It wasn't such a clear priority. It was just a thing he did sometimes for his NBA teammates or a part of being a basketball player from Seattle. The whole idea of being that kind of veteran influence didn't really hit Terry until he was traded to Brooklyn in 2013, 14 years into his NBA career and at 36 years old. I watched Kevin Garnett in his later years. I watched Paul Pierce and how they interacted with their teammates and how they conducted themselves. And then as we got traded to Brooklyn, uh, they continued to do what they did in Boston. And so watching those guys is what was my calling, was my awakening. It's like, oh, man, I was in the same graduating class as KG and Paul Pierce. I guess I am the elder statesman now. As LeBron put it, Everyone's not a leader, and we shouldn't expect everyone to be a leader. I think it becomes something that you want to do or you're born with it. Terry wasn't born with it. You hear guys like Chauncey Billups talk about how they led their whole lives, guiding and directing every team they ever played on. It took longer for Terry, but his awakening was real. Terry knew for years that he wanted to get into coaching once his playing days were through, but what he hadn't realized was that taking on that kind of veteran responsibility was a sensible midpoint. 
he still got to play for one, but he also wouldn't have to deal with any of the blowback that comes with coaching. In Milwaukee, he could teach and counsel, and he could do it all in this informal way that allowed him to act as an intermediary between kid and the kids. You have to have a veteran guy in the locker room and on the court that is an extension of the coach because there are conversations that they'll feel more comfortable coming to you because you're still in uniform that they don't necessarily feel like talking to an assistant coach or the head coach. Um, and, and, and you're a sounding board. Then you go back to coach. You don't share everything, but you give them a barometer of the team, uh, the temperature of the team, how they're feeling, uh, you know, what guys are saying. Um, not that you are snitching or, or, or something like that, but, you know, just, just a, a, a little conversation. And I think he does the same. He'll throw me little niblets or little jabs like, okay, you might want to drop this on your team, uh, see how they're feeling. Um, and, and I think it's, it's big coming from a veteran player. With that kind of post, Terry gets a taste of what it's like to coach and some insight into kids' process. Consider it on-the-job training. This is how forward-thinking Terry is. He actually interviewed for a head coaching gig at the University of Alabama at Birmingham back in March, while he was still playing for the Rockets. He literally interviewed and played in a regular season game on the same day. So all of this is part of the appeal for Terry in coming to Milwaukee in the first place, just one of the benefits of knowing exactly what he'd like to do once he finally calls it a career. The change has given Terry a different kind of energy. Being under Jason Kidd and what he's created, the coaching culture, the environment, uh, everything about basketball that he and his staff has done to this point has given me new life. It's made me excited to come to practice. I was a guy for years that hated practice, but seeing how young our team is, this team has to practice. And I've been in every practice, and I've loved it. I mean, it's fun for me. So uh, that renewed joy about just being on the court is something that, that I love. What really registers for Jet is the want to build something. You get a different satisfaction from that than competing for a championship. But the deep roots of it can make the payoffs incredible. Incremental progress becomes its own reward. Seeing a player like Giannis climb higher and higher is made all the more special by the relationship behind it. All of a sudden, it really means something personal when Rashad Vaughn gets on the floor and plays solid. That's not to credit Terry for these things, but he has an involvement in them that he never had before. He takes all of that on in the hopes of eventually seeing that moment when everything works. I just love being able to not only share my experiences, but get a, getting a, a group of guys to be able to function as one unit for one specific goal. Uh, and to me, that is the beauty of basketball. Uh, guys playing together as a cohesive unit, fighting for one goal as hard as they possibly can. And uh, when, when, when you get all that working and synchronizing together, uh, it's, it's, a, it's beautiful. Uh, it's, it's just a joy to watch and to be a part of. It's something worth chasing. Remember, Terry isn't some grizzled veteran. He's not above the game or beyond it. He still lives to hit a momentum-shifting three. He hams it up by throwing up the wings on the way back down court. In between player and veteran, he's Milwaukee's hype man. Watch during a stoppage in play, and you'll see Jet pumping up the home crowd, riling some noise from a quiet moment. Yet young players always ask him, Why are you still doing, why are you still playing? And how long more do you want to go? 
Terry always tells them he wants to play 20 plus years, another two seasons at least after this one. And the reason he's still playing is the same as the reason he wants to coach. It's the reason he'll never leave. Because I'm still able to, and I love the game. Like, if I wasn't in the NBA, I'd be playing somewhere, 24-hour fitness, coaching, or college. I mean, the game of basketball is something that I'll be a part of for the rest of my life uh, in some type of capacity. Uh, it's what I was trained to do. It's what I was raised to do. It's what I went to college for. Like, you go to college and they say, what's your degree in? I mean, I'm a family studies major, but I majored in basketball. Like, that's my life. And so, you know, without this, I mean, other than my family, this is it. And so when guys ask me that question, it's my genuine love for the game. That's why I still do it. Thanks for listening. Breakaway will continue in two weeks with another exploration of the NBA world. Subscribing through iTunes or your favorite podcast app is the easiest way to keep up, but every episode will also be available on si.com. In the meantime, please help us spread the word to anyone you think might enjoy this podcast and consider leaving us a review on iTunes. Every single one really helps. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them to breakawaypod at gmail.com, or you can find me on Twitter, at Rob Mahoney. Breakaway is produced by Alex Abnos and Rob Mahoney, with special thanks to Ben Eagle and Matt Dollinger. Until next time.